everyone. Welcome to the Engage and Equip podcast and Happy New Year. I'm Ashlyn Phelps, the Communications Coordinator at High Point Church, and this is an episode of Escaping Babel, which is one of our podcast series that's all about how to escape cultural captivity with gospel truth. Within Escaping Babel, we've been doing a short series on masculinity. So if this is your first time listening to the podcast, I recommend you go back and start with episode 156 to listen to part one of this subseries. In this episode, Nick Gibson, our lead pastor, Nicole Kyle, our worship and music arts director, and John Zekatowski, our director of kids ministries, are going to finish talking through the list of advice for young men that you can find linked in the show notes or at highpointchurch.org slash handout. This episode does conclude our masculinity subseries, but if you have any questions or feedback, send them to podcast at highpointchurch.org and let us know what else you'd like to hear on this topic. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Engage Equip podcast. My name is John Sikotowski. I'm here with Nick Gibson. Hi. And Nicole Kyle. Hi. I, I don't know why you always do that every time you get introduced. <laughs> I didn't know he was going to go on, on to you. this podcast. You always just wait and either like really softly say it. It's, or delay. it's the way I demonstrate my vanity by showing false humility. <laughs> oh. Okay, and on that note, um, so we're jumping into Escaping Babel, which is about escaping cultural captivity, such as false humility or other things. Um, We've been talking about in the last couple episodes about masculinity. So we've been covering, there's a list of advice for young men and advice for young women. And the last couple of episodes, we really augured in on number seven of those is learn how to be masculine in good ways without being disgusting, boorish, callous, or condescending. And we just went through some of the examples of where to start as you're pursuing that. So what we're going to do now is we're going to cover the other one through eight minus number seven on that list and we'll see if um if we're capable of covering should be all easy because number seven episode. had 16 <laughs> right and the other i think all the other sub points together is less than 16 so yeah. and this is remember this is advice this is not mm-hmm. divine theological truth this is we're taking christian doctrine and teaching and truths and trying to prudentially apply them mm-hmm. to being masculine mm-hmm. now given some of the things large proportions of younger men are struggling with. Mm-hmm. So if the, if like the shoe doesn't fit, then don't wear, wear it. If the when you eat watermelon, you have to spit out the seeds, and when you're done eating ribs, you're supposed to spit out the bones. Mm-hmm. So you have to listen to these kinds of things with discernment instead of just do whatever you're told and then blame us for the results. Yes. Yeah. yeah it is though. It is not usually good to assume I am the exception to things. Right. It may be good to still approach this kind of thing with that lens and asking okay am i in some of these areas the exception or is this a norm that i probably should take the responsibility for bearing and do it yeah if you, you probably the, sh- if you think you're the exception you should have at least three people willing to tell you no confirm that's that. what i was mm-hmm. just gonna say you should you should have other people speak into that and probably not only other people in your life stage mm-hmm. yeah yes. yes yeah so much of this advice what this assumes as we're going through it is um, specifically for the advice for young men section. Some of these things are going to be related to future family, future vocation, and then as well as growing in kind of your own personal masculinity. But many of the things that we're going to cover um, today, since we already covered much of the learn how to be masculine in good ways um, is going to be related to future relationships specifically with a hopefully future wife and also 
vocation things. So as we're talking about those things, know that that's the direction that much of this is pushing as we're talking about these different pieces of advice for you. Yeah, and this advice is specifically corrective. Like as I pastor for 20 years and watch young men in this culture struggle, this advice is for men, young men who are having struggles. Mm-hmm. You got it all figured out. God bless you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and these are the some of the things that we've seen over and over and over and over and over again. So yeah. just realize. That I that's think that's always really important when we're, sometimes we don't, we don't say that every time we do this podcast, right. but I always think it's important to remember that because there can be people listening who are like, that shouldn't be the way it is. Yep. You're right. Yep. But many times it is the way it is. And this yeah. is coming from lots of years of your experience meeting with real people in your actual churches yeah. going through these real things. Yeah. 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 Listen, if you want to be an idealist, like then just don't go into ministry. It's all I yeah. can tell you. Like, just don't work with people. Don't become a counselor or a social worker or any of those anywhere. Yeah. Anytime you have to actually encounter humanity as it is, just stay out of that. Just tweet and write little Facebook posts and blog and do be in the news or something. Yeah. Just don't get in situations where you have to actually help people mm-hmm. get in situations where you just have to talk about them. Mm-hmm. Cause if you want to help people, you're going to have to deal with the world as it is. And then you're going to say things that people who are idealistic are going to really be mad at you about and that's just what you can do like, right. that's just part of it right yeah. yep. okay here we go all right so number one is look for the right sort of woman yeah so some of the ways that that's described underneath it is or do you want to yeah i'll read this one list? just because there's okay. a typo in it um look for a woman who is realistic about relationships who is not naturally given to relational unhappiness complaining gossiping one-sided expectations and a lack of self-criticism Two, look for a woman who has a realistic understanding of what is what a man is and what a woman is and who is unlikely to expect you to behave like a woman mm-hmm. and a woman who likes being a woman. Those are just, I mean, obviously there's a lot of things you could look for in a woman, but in church, churches will tell you to look for a good Christian woman. But what, what does good and Christian mean? Right. And woman mean? Like, I, right. like you got to get some of this stuff nailed mm-hmm. down a little bit. And so there are some people that, um, there, are, there's a, there's a certain mythology that like women are great and men are defective mm-hmm. and like you get this with certain kinds of like fourth wave feminism that like women are better. I, I was watching the very end of the Miss Universe pageant with my kids the other night. Cause it was like on when we turned the TV on, you know, <laughs> and, um, one of the women's was talking, it was given like a little feminist message. It was really cute. And she, but she said that she, she said in the statement, we're better. Hmm. Now, she didn't mean to. I think she was just trying to answer things on the fly. But she didn't say, we have every bit as much to contribute to this world as men. Mm. That's not what she said. Mm. What she said was, you know, like, what she said was women are better. And, like, the world would be a better place when we run everything and when Mm. we're doing the stuff. Which, that's stupid. (laughs) That's just not true. If she would have said women have every bit as much to contribute to this world as men, that would have been right. Yeah. Mm. But, like, you got that's a big difference a big difference. You're looking for a woman who like has, is the right kind of feminist. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. You want a woman who understands the worth and value of women, understands her own worth, understands how men ought to treat women, understands how women ought to expect to be treated, understands what women can do and who they are. You want all that. You want, you want a feminist, right? But you want the right kind. You want one who loves men, loves what men can be and what they mm-hmm. are, wishes to be in a complimentary relationship with one. And because of that, isn't angry about the fact that she has to quote, deal with masculinity, hmm. right? Cause a lot of women 
allow themselves to resent the differences between men and women. And they think, ugh, that's just stupid the way he is. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying, I'm a woman, I think this way. He's mm-hmm. a man. He thinks that way. And we need to find a way to complimentary live to, with each other, recognizing that we are both legitimate. Yeah. Right? And we both have besetting sins relative to our gender and so on. But like, I like men. Right. And I like being a woman. Right. And I like the fact that we are man and woman. And I want to figure out how to live this way. Yeah. And there's a lot of women who have just been kind of poisoned in their thinking and men too about all that. Mm-hmm. And because of that, it leads to unhappiness and complaining and gossiping and just really negative ways of engaging in relationships. And what I tell a lot of guys is at the end of the day, sweetness in a person mm-hmm. matters a lot more than most of the other things. Whether or not somebody is capable of taking responsibility for their own happiness and is mm. capable of being happy is huge. Mm-hmm. Way bigger than whether or not she finished law school. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think what's helpful too with what you're saying is the, um, as a, when you're growing in your own masculinity type thing, the other side of that is really helpful too. So you're saying like, right, a lot of times women can resent the fact that they have to deal with masculinity and men can resent the fact that they have to deal with femininity and cut that crap out that's not helpful that's not helpful to you that's not helpful to her when you degrade the ways that god has specifically made her to be as well yeah and like if you if you if we talk to women who said you know feminism is not over yet like we're still that's true because part of the problem with feminism was it was it was too focused on equality by achieving very similar operational stuff as men Mm -hmm. feminism still hasn't really settled into femininity well and so women are still young women have been like in one sense liberated from a box that that a lot of them didn't like but they haven't really found a flow Hmm. of in being a woman that really works Hmm. and so i do think you have to be very tolerant if you're like trying to find your figure out your masculinity in this culture I think it is more disorienting to be masculine because the permission to explore it isn't as much there. Yeah. But women, but women don't have a ready-made femininity to walk into either. They're mm-hmm. still really struggling with that. They just have a little bit more permission to do whatever they want to try to figure it out. Yeah. But it's not like they have it figured out, right? And so it is kind of a it is kind of a developmental process. Right. 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 So but I I do think it's important to recognize that men and women tend to become a more quintessentially masculine feminine as they get older. Mm-hmm. And it's usually because they can stop false advertising what they really want to be. And I think it would be better for most of them, at least in their intimate relationships as husband and wife, if they allowed themselves to be more directly masculine and feminine at a younger age, they'd just be yeah. happier. Yeah. Yeah. I think that for something that you said that just resonates with me in listening is that there are a lot of women who are sorting that out themselves. Mm-hmm. And so that makes this kind of complicated. This like look for the right sort of woman. Mm-hmm. I think the temptation or the, or the thing to, at least to be careful of is you're not you by saying the right sort of woman, there is room there for flexibility of yeah, what that could look yeah. like. There's a lot of room. It doesn't mean a Stepford wife in whatever program you're putting there. Right. You're saying the right sort of woman who is pursuing the right sort of character. And that might mean that that woman is is going to go through a process of figuring that out even in the over the course of your potential marriage with them. But I think that's something that I, it's advice that I've given to a lot of college students before, particularly if they had really great dads, is that you can't look for 
a 22 year old who is going to have all of the same maturity and character as mm. your 55 year old father. Yeah. They're not there yet. Right. Yeah. So you're looking for the right sort of person who shows and I think you said this in our last episode, John, that so much of this is trajectory, mm-hmm. like that you're you're doing the right things now to ha- to be the right sort of person then. So mm-hmm. I just think that's good to keep in mind. Yeah. yeah. Two of the other things I had under this is, is number four was look for a woman who believes that her fertility is a gift of God and the greatest dignity and uniqueness of her gender, not a horrific and unfair inconvenience to her life as a human being. So, like, I think that's important mm-hmm. because there are some women who really believe it's just a terribly unfair thing that they have a womb. And that for the human race to continue to exist, they'll have to probably use it at some point. And that's not how the Bible talks about childbearing. Yeah. It talks about it as like an extremely profound dignity. And some women just like really, really, really just can't handle that at this point in their lives. And I'm just, I would say to men who want to be masculine, just be really careful with that mm-hmm. or can, or confront it. Like yeah. if you're, if you have a, if you're getting an old woman who just seems to be interacting that way, like I would, I mean, I, I'd say, look, this, I have something you need to work out. Yeah. Um, because ultimately for the vast majority of women who feel that way, they won't when they're 50, when they're 50, they'll have wished they had children Yeah. and their whole life will revolve, revolve, revolve around either their grandchildren or their adult children or their lack thereof. And their regret about it, mm-hmm. even though they were ideologically very sure when they were 26 to 33, that it was a great injustice to, for women to need to have children. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think I already kind of mentioned this, but, but look for a woman who does not believe that women are always, oh, mostly always right and men mostly always wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, look for one that understands that men and women t- tend to look at the world in profoundly different ways and that you need to understand both of their perspectives to relate to the world successfully and righteously. Mm-hmm. I just think that's important. So yeah. if, if, you, if you can find a woman who's pursuing godliness, doesn't have this great bias of female superiority and doesn't indulge herself in that kind of thinking and behavior and has the capacity therefore to accept the world as it is in maleness and femaleness. And so not be driven to the kind of like unhappiness and anger and like just inability to be happy in a male woman, man, woman relationship to always mm-hmm. feel like you're not doing what you're supposed to as the man. If you are doing, if you are doing what you're supposed to as the man, mm-hmm. right. Um, then I, that's a, that, so my point here is not to say, well, woman has to be all these things. No, that's like four things. Yeah. And they're just extremely primal and basic things. Right. Any woman should be able to do those things. Right. And so if those things are there, then no matter what else is true about the woman, you're, you're talking about the right kind of woman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so my point with that list is to not make it so women are like, oh my gosh, no, no, those are very simple things. Don't be on your high horse. Don't be incredibly negative about everything. Except that you are actually a woman. Mm-hmm. And accept that fertility is fundamental to women in how you understand your femininity, however it plays out. Mm-hmm. Even if you're, even if you can't have children, it's still kind of fundamental to how you approach femininity until you figure out what's going on with that mm-hmm. and wherever that goes. There's lots of ways that can go, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's helpful to mention because um, I've noticed a tendency in the, when talking about dating related things or pursuing relationships related things, any sort, anything that sort of smells of a list can produce kind of visceral negative reactions in people. But yeah, to have a basic set of these are things that I need to see in a woman I'm going to pursue is called prudence. Like in some, right. In some ways it is, it feels like, Oh, that's not how it should be. And maybe that's true. But, given the world as it is. What's the alternative? 
just sheer sentimentality. Right, like if everybody if everybody was godly, you know, then you wouldn't need to worry about like, okay, do I need to have? Okay, that's a world that doesn't exist. Right. So in the world that does exist, what's <laughs> exactly. your other option? Just exactly. sheer sentimentality. Like your loins ache for someone. That's the best way to make a decision. I mean, if if you have any criteria at mm. all, and there's more than one, you have a list. Right. So like, what do you what are we talking about here? Right. So the, the fact is is that. The question isn't whether or not you have a list. The question is, do you have a good list Mm -hmm. or a sucky list? Are you self-righteous about the list? Mm -hmm. Could you not live up to your own list? Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So so I think it's more about coming up with the right criteria. Yeah. And relative to the developmental stage of the person you're looking for, like Nicole was saying, Mm -hmm. not a 55-year-old established man, but like a 23-year-old figuring it out man. And then you got to decide what's good enough. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. But if you make these decisions after your hearts are all tied up with each other, it's just, you're just going to, yeah, yeah. You're just aiming for trouble. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think that, I think the the issue is more whether or not you have a realistic and good list and a list is based on scripture and stuff like that Mm -hmm. rather than, but yeah, no, a lot of people get themselves in trouble by having these like high horse lists. Right. Um, But you get just as much trouble with having no criteria at all. Right. So. Right. I'm unsympathetic to that notion. Yeah. That quote lists are bad. Right. Agreed. And yeah, so. But I do think, I think one reason that comes up is there's a lot of like people who grew up in church mm-hmm. who like they went to a youth group where a youth leader was like, okay, let's come up with a list. And like they literally wrote it on like a whiteboard or a little thing and mm-hmm. and it, the people brainstormed it of what they want to spouse. <laughs> so you got like 37 girls brainstorming stuff. So you get 48 things on the list and they're like, okay, mm-hmm. so this is the guy we're looking for. And then the youth leader didn't say right after that, can you think of any guy over in the guy room that remotely resembles this? And mm-hmm. the answer, of course, would be no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like, okay, so we're all going to be spinsters or nuns. Do you want to start a nunnery? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. So like, there are yeah. people that have had that experience and they're like, I hate stinking lists. Mm-hmm. And I'm very, if that's what you mean, I'm right. very sympathetic to that. Mm-hmm. But if you mean a Christian works, mm-hmm. deals with problems in a relatively healthy way, yeah. Yeah. wants to build a family, if you want to build a family, like that's a list. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a section of the book um, called substance that you wrote, Nick, that talks about the difference between dreams and visions, like yeah. having a, that sometimes we find ourselves having very, very specific dreams for our lives. And that's not what plays out when rather we should allow ourselves to see what God's vision for our life might be. And there's more room for creativity in that. There's more room for imagination. There's more room for improvisation when it's a vision for what God might have for you versus these very specific dreams. That to me, it sounds like what the two of you are saying, that there's a way to have a vision for what a future spouse might look like without having your McDreamy man or woman (laughs) written out in these unachievable specifics that's right and that's you're gonna be prone to disappointment and that's one of the reasons why the language if you if people who've been around high point know the language i use is you're looking for a suitable person right to right. Marry. right yeah because if so lots if, of people are suitable lots of people are suitable <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah but that doesn't mean you don't have a list right yeah okay we should right. move on to the next one so number two is get a job and work a job work yep. towards useful education and helpful experience be willing to work difficult jobs in bad places at annoying hours to set yourself up for more advanced positions for when you have a family Mm. yep yeah i was just talking with a friend of mine last night because we feel like our husbands are both in this place right now where they're willing to work do a lot of hard work right now Mm -hmm. at sometimes annoying hours because we all want growing families (laughs) which require growing incomes right Mm -hmm. right yeah yeah basically if you're a man 
in most cases, not all cases, but in most cases, when you have a woman in your life, you're going to wish you were making more money. Mm-hmm. And what often happens for men is they will get a woman in their life. The woman will be like, are we starting a family? And, or they'll be like, hey, it would be great if we could buy a house or afford things. Mm-hmm. And then the man, <laughs> the, one of the man, the man desperately wants the woman in her life, his life to respect him. Mm-hmm. And to believe that he does, like he's doing his part in their relationship, mm-hmm. which is usually sp- very related to economic production, right? Making money mm-hmm. to provide for the family. And so then he wants to get a better job, right? Well, the problem is, is that the further you get down the line with a family, the harder it is to go the extra mile to put yourself in a position of success. I think I remember um, one psychologist talking about workplace and finances that um, people, is, is it, it's the extra 12% gets you 40% more money. Mm-hmm. I think it is. So the person who's willing to work 12% harder than the other people makes 40% more money, right? Yeah, yeah uh, that's crazy. Right. But but it's it, 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 like, it makes sense when yes. you think like the people who are really valuable employees are the people who are always available, mm-hmm. right? You can't have two people in a couple with children where both people are always available. No, yeah. that just doesn't work. Yeah. Somebody's got to be like, I got home while you're always available. So it's one of the reasons why, like, if you have a dad who works in a stay-at-home mom, that dad almost always makes more money than if both of them are working. Mm-hmm. Sometimes double, but usually like f- a good bit more, so that you're making significantly more money. Now, of course, you got more eggs in one basket if somebody loses a job. So mm-hmm. there are liabilities to that. But the point is, is that as like if you're near a single guy, you can work 25 percent more right now if you want to. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And get all the spoils of that before you have that woman in your life. And so I think that if you're not, if you know, if you're not with somebody kind of early on in your adulthood, mm-hmm. one of the things you need to do is work your butt off. And, and, you need, and yeah. part of that is save your money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Stop wasting your money and wasting your time. If you work harder and you focus your life on building skills and building into yourself as a person and mm-hmm. raising your human capital and your capacity and your spiritual life, you'll stop wasting a lot of time where you spend a lot of money. Right. Mm-hmm. right. And so then you're both saving your money and becoming more productive. And that's going to put you in a position to be the kind of man you're going to want to be when the woman in your life says things like, can we have a family? Mm-hmm. Can we have a vacation together? Mm-hmm. Can we mm-hmm. not live in this terrible apartment that smells like <laughs> cheese? Mm-hmm. Right. And you can be like, sure, baby, we can mm-hmm. because I worked for it. Yeah. Right. And yeah, I know for some people, it's just like, well, that feels like men are just supposed to be exploited for the money they can make. Right. That's, that's right. We, mm-hmm. we use ourselves up for others. That's what it means to be a human being. If you want to live for yourself, then do whatever you want. But if you want to be a person who lives out your God given capacities, the woman in your life is going to give herself to you. Mm-hmm. She's going to give of herself if she's if she can have children, she's going to give of herself in having children and all the wreckage that does to her body and her life and her sleep and her energy, and it's going to cost her enormously. And she's going to her her well being is going to be exploited, that is used, mined and used mm-hmm. for this new life that's going to be created, for this home that she's going to build, for these relationships she's going to help foster, all the stuff she's doing. Same thing's true for the man. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to be exploited. That is your energies are going to be used and transferred and transitioned into some other kind of asset. Yeah. In most cases, money to be used for the life that you're winning together. And so, yeah, your life isn't going to be your own. You're not mm-hmm. going to have a lot of choices. You are going to live for others. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Hopefully the woman you choose will be generous with you in enjoying your life and in making your life enjoyable. And hopefully she'll see that as a huge calling in her life. 
Right. Because you're exploited. Your lives are being exploited together mm-hmm. in love. <laughs> I, I mean, it's like, right, like we're laughing, but it's a, it, it's a very real thing. And I think, so yesterday, Scott was working a hard day at work. He's got, he's in this phase right now where he's trying to work really hard to grow the respect that he has at his office to get more responsibility, et cetera. Everything yeah. we were talking about. Um, Mondays are a day that I get off work early and they, those are days where I try really hard to be able to have the house not chaotic when he comes home and to have dinner when he comes home. And it felt so satisfying for both of us. Like he got home and we both felt so satisfied and fulfilled in doing these different things, which were, are very stereotypical. And like, (laughs) it was a very domestic afternoon and evening for me and I loved every minute of it. And he came home and he worked a really hard day and had hard meetings and was, and is working extra and then worked more after we ate dinner. And And we the temptation, both felt so satisfied. The in temptation that. in that life stage too, and what you see so many couples doing is the one saying, you don't see how hard I'm working. Right. Like you're not working as hard as me. I'm working harder than you. You don't see how hard I'm working. And that just makes everybody angry. Don't get me wrong. We have we nights have that like that. that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> last but, night just wasn't one of them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a, I can't remember which day it was in the last couple of days. It might've just been Sunday. I got home and somehow Alexi knew I was pulling up. And she literally was on the other side of the glass door when I walked up to the door. Yeah. And she's like, I beat the dog to the door to greet you. <laughs> and she like gave me a little kiss. And like, mm-hmm. that was a joke, right? Mm-hmm. It meant so much to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's still like the fact that mm-hmm. whatever was going on in the house, whatever kids wanted, whatever she was dealing with, mm-hmm. she told it all to shut up and she came to the door to greet me. Mm-hmm. I was the most important thing to her. Mm-hmm. Even, even as a joke. Like mm-hmm. it's cause and the reason it was a joke is because it's so funny cause it's so stereotypical, mm-hmm. but it, it's also so primal, mm. right? I want to be wanted and loved and met by her. And I want her to know that I've been out working and now I've come home mm-hmm. and I want her to be like, you're here. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't care how sophisticated you think you are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when you do that and, but that's part of that maleness, femaleness that like recognizing how much we long for the other person to acknowledge what we're doing mm-hmm. and right. to value it, even mm-hmm. though it's very different than what the other person is doing sometimes. Yeah. Great. Number three, um, we already kind of talked about this. Don't but, waste your money. Right. Don't waste your money. Live in a Spartan way. Save your money for a down payment. Pay your debts. Use your money like you believe you are going to find a good woman and marry her. Yes. Quick story about someone we all know and love. Um, <laughs> there's a guy um, I met when he first got to High Point. This is years ago now. And... Um, he was working hard. He had some debt from college and he was working hard to like get a job where he could make as much as he could make. And he wasn't making it at his company. Mm-hmm. And well, at that point he was doing okay. He had a good job and he's paying stuff down and he met this girl and she's wonderful. She's one of the most, she's one of the most wonderful young women I knew at that time. Right. And, um, she had six figures of college debt. Cause her parents had just like really encouraged her to like go out of state and go to this college and you know, money's cheap, interest rates are low mm-hmm. and she didn't really, it didn't really click for her. And then she gets out of college and she, if it, it dawns on her, like what she's done mm-hmm. and she's like, no, she literally like was crying in my office. Nobody's ever gonna mm-hmm. take me cause I have this albatross around my neck mm-hmm. and this, so this guy started dating her and she's like, when do I have to tell him? And I was like, well, before he's in love with you, you know, mm-hmm. cause it's gotta be fair. And she told him and he's like, you're worth it. Right. But like, 
he was preparing himself Mm -hmm. for whatever financially was coming down the road. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. when he met a girl who was a treasure, but who had a pirate ship around her neck, Mm -hmm. (laughs) he -hmm. could say to himself, I've put myself in position to pay that off. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're going to have to work hard too. We're going to work hard together, Mm -hmm. but we're going to do what it takes. And he lived spartanly and he did what he had to do job wise. He even lost his job at one point and then got another one and worked Mm -hmm. himself up in that business. Mm -hmm. And within 10 years, they were married and they had paid off all that debt and they had saved up a down payment for a house. Within like oh yeah, five like years five maybe. Years. Yeah. Because they both lived spartanly yep. and she yeah. was like, this is the cost for me and it's yeah. fine. Yep. And they and they moved to another state to get a better job, mm-hmm. but they did it. Mm-hmm. And that guy, if that guy had not believed in that, he would have made the worst mistake of his life mm-hmm. and gotten out of that relationship. Mm-hmm. And it would have been the worst mistake of his life. Mm-hmm. So I just think as a guy, you you don't know what's coming down the pike. I mean, that's part of being a man. It's part of being a warrior. You don't know what you're going to face. Yeah. So put more bullets in your bag. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that, and so living smartly, not wasting your money is all part of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And it's, it is easier than you think in my experience Mm -hmm. to one spend more money than you realize. And two, it's easier than you think to live spartanly. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember there was a period of time when I was in college where I was trying to, um, I was trying to take on as little debt as possible. And there was a stretch of time where, well, yeah, Nicole is laughing because <laughs> she knows kind of a broader context of the story. But in particular, there was one, you're not going to talk about where you lived. During well, this time. <laughs> I could talk about that as well there. Yeah. There was a period of time where I was living in my, car by um, choice by choice in order to not have to pay rent and then be able to use that money for other things um but a piece of that time was there was a stretch of time where i was getting very close to emptying my bank account even though i was working while going to school but you madison is very expensive etc cetera, etc cetera. um it wasn't that hard to even only working while doing school 15 or 20 hours a week, it was not that hard to not let my bank account go into the red. Like it just involved not eating out. Yeah. And that yeah. was about That's all a really it took. Big one. <laughs> that was about all it took to stay afloat even while paying yeah. for all those other things. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's unbelievable how much, especially people who don't have a tradition of cooking or whatever in mm-hmm. their lives and just haven't gotten yeah. used to efficiently grocery shopping. It's one of the reasons why getting a mentor is really helpful. Mm-hmm. A mentor can teach you yeah. how to grocery shop like super fast. These yeah. are the stores. Yeah. These are the sales. This is where you go. This is what you get. This is what it costs. Mm-hmm. Let's just start now. Switch to Aldi. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Stop shopping at pick and save. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it is it's a big deal and like it makes a huge difference and yeah. it's amazing to me sometimes i talk to younger people sometimes and they're like i just I'm, i've got all these debts i don't have any money and i go okay how much do you spend at starbucks or mm-hmm. some kind of coffee shop in the course of a month how many times do you eat out over the course of a week how do you, and yeah. like, and you just do the math and it's like it's thousands of dollars a year yeah. you know what yeah. I mean? and they just don't they don't realize it and on, on one level with like millennials and post millennials there is this realization that you have to live in the moment and if you save everything for the future that there's an unhappiness built into that where you don't actually enjoy your life and i actually think there's an insight in that that's not totally wrong Mm -hmm. it's not totally wrong but it's also expensive Mm -hmm. and so you you have to find a way to live in the moment and enjoy the enjoyments of life Mm -hmm. without living 
like voluptuously. Right. And you can still live in the moment and enjoy nice things. You can yes. still buy your coffee and roast it together mm-hmm. and have really great coffee at a third of the expense of buying it out. And the coffee is twice as good. Yes. For example. Yeah. You can, you can share cooking at each other's houses mm-hmm. and have nice meals in each other's houses and actually learn how to cook, mm-hmm. which matters when you're older and have family, mm-hmm. right? And you could do that. So there are ways to still live in the moment, live in real time, enjoy yourself, and live out that real insight mm-hmm. that exists that I think millennials and post-millennials have caught on to, but also catching on to the realities of former generations where they recognize that austerity buys a future. Yeah. And you're going to want that future. Yeah. yeah. Yep. If you've not taken a class like Financial Peace University, yes. take it. Scott and I took it the first year that we were married. We were raising support and some asking for people to support us. And someone was like, I can't support you monthly, but I will pay for you to go to Financial Peace University. We are <laughs> so awesome. grateful. Yeah. Thank you, Nate Van Dyke. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't even know if he remembers that, but it was, it was huge because we had some debt to pay off mm. and we dramatically took a look at what our budgeting was and made some changes and some of them that we have kept even now because we still want to save for other things yeah Yeah, i remember i remember the last round of this we had nick you were describing this as the most transformative class that high point puts on (laughs) right even though it's not in many ways as explicitly spiritual as some of our other classes it is still but it does right. shape really your worldview a lot. It right. does shape your right. idea of materialism and that shapes your heart towards God when you're not having, sharing a love of God and money. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that's right. good. And money is the, like mammon is the greatest competition to God, yeah. especially mm-hmm. in an affluent society. Yeah. So getting yeah. that, it, getting your money under control is one of the fundamental things to being free. Financial yeah. freedom is so related to spiritual freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, both in terms of what you aren't held back to, but also the things that you can then go forward and risk. Because yeah. once you have assets, you can make investments and yeah. risks like Nicole and Scott adopting a child. That's expensive, mm-hmm. right? And so people in certain financial financial situations, it would never occur to them to do it because they could, ne- they could quote, never afford it. Mm-hmm. Well, the reason you could never afford it for many people is because you've wasted tens of thousands, if not hundreds right. of thousands of dollars over the course of your life. Yeah. So if, if, you, if we can get a hold of those things and get some financial freedom. Yeah. I don't care how much money you've wasted in the past if you're listening to this. That's not the point. Yeah. The point is how much you're going to waste tomorrow mm-hmm. and today. Mm-hmm. And, and can you stop wasting that money and still live a real life and yet get financial freedom mm-hmm. and be ready to risk in the future? Yeah. I had a friend who was, when he actually looked at how much money he was spending on food a month, was spending between seven and $800 a month for himself on food. And Price. just a couple of shifts, he was saving 500 plus dollars a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that that's, adds up quick. Yeah, my family of six, our food budget is like in that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I always think that's too high, but my wife assures me that it isn't. <laughs> we were She's at, like, you, you, if yeah. we have people over the house, it's not. Mm-hmm. We were at two hundred dollars a month up until I think maybe a year ago. Yeah, like when Lucas started eating solid foods, and Scott was like, "Please, can we pump this up?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, number four. Ask out at least one woman a month unless you are already dating one. Um, So I was talking with Nick and Nicole about this a little bit beforehand. And I think potentially a piece of qualifying, a a thing that could qualify this is a lot of of us being young men as I am. Many of us um, have experienced some of the ravages of sexual sin 
in our lives personally, and many young guys, like statistically, the majority of young guys are stuck in sexual sin in some way. I think it might be helpful to really kind of sort that out before this thing is happening. But I'm curious By this what thing you guys... you mean asking what, at least one woman out a right, month. Right, one woman out a month. Um, but I'm curious what your guys' thoughts are on that. And by sorting it out, I'm not meaning perfection. Yeah. But but certainly progress. Yeah, I mean I, I think I think to a certain extent you need to realize that a woman's gonna want to know what's going on with that at some mm-hmm. point. And if you're nowhere, it is gonna create issues. No woman no woman I know there are like quote modern women who like, well, you know, guys look at this, you know, but I don't know any woman. I feel like if I could hypnotize those women and they get them to tell the truth deep inside, they'd be mm-hmm. like, I really, 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 really resent this. Mm-hmm. Cause I think every woman does. I, th- I would, I would resent it if my wife was looking at male pornography and yeah. pleasuring herself and then occasionally touched me, you know? Um, so, and I think it's very, I think it is sexual sin. It's, it's an ungodly thing to, to express your sexual attention energies to someone who isn't your wife or husband. So, um, but I also think that sometimes meeting somebody that you really like or something can become be, start to be a motivation of like, I yeah. need to freaking do something. Yeah. Here. So I don't, I wouldn't want to make a hard fast rule, but yeah, like if you are completely awash in that stuff, you like you're completely captured by it, then yeah, you, you need to, you need to do it like a 12 step program. Yeah. You know, like you need to use a lot of energy focusing on that mm-hmm. and try. And the main issue is, is that you, like one of the things that I think you and I both believe about this is that if a person is, is just really captured in sexual addiction, like, mm-hmm. like, like repetitive sort of compulsive behaviors, there's something else going on. Yeah. Right. Like if you just saw some porn when you were a teenager and you were like, oh, this sounds fun. And you like look at some pornography and masturbate or whatever that usually will not absolutely capture you at some point. You can be like, look, I'm not going to do this anymore. And you can, you can walk away from it. If it's very difficult to do that, it's usually because that is filling a place mm-hmm. and that there is a, something is amiss in your heart yes. in, in your development, in your soul at the moment that needs that. And in your, your need for it will start to dissipate once you figure out what that is. Yeah. And so Jay, Jay Stringer's book Unwanted is a good resource um, there's a, a resource from and they've just come out with related to that there a counselor can usually help you with this if they're mm-hmm. sufficiently motivated there's some counselors that will just tell you this is normal male behavior you don't want those counselors right you want somebody who will help you some of those are secular counselors some secular counselors will help you with whatever you want to work on mm-hmm. but if you get um, somebody who believes in cognitive cognitive therapy which is just basically like let's just get you doing different behaviors by getting you to think differently mm-hmm. I think in most cases psychotherapy is better that you're really digging down into what's gone on and what's happened and yeah. trying to figure out what's there. Yeah. And I think that that's more important. So I would say you want a Christian counselor if possible, but you want one that is capable of digging in mm-hmm. and trying to figure out, which is more psychotherapy ish yep. than cognitivist though. Cognitive stuff is very helpful sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, um, also I recommend, uh, forgiven and free. Right here at High Point Church. Right, yeah. You want to get around people. To focus so on yeah. This. yeah, you want to get around people. So yeah, and then the there's a Church of Christ in Town pastored by a guy named Tom Newell here in Madison, mm-hmm. um, who's done a lot of stuff with guys who with sexual addiction. And most cities, like if you're listening to somewhere else, most cities have at least one pastor, 
where this is a thing for them, yeah. where they are really focused on helping men in particular get free of sexual addiction. You need to find that guy. Even if you don't go to church, mm-hmm. you need to find that guy and you need to do what he says. Yeah. And if you're going to another church, I would say give at least a 10th to 20% of your giving to that person's church, at least while you're under their care in that thing. Mm. Even if you're going on Sundays to another church, mm. because you should, you should support that ministry in what that person is doing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would say, I don't, I would want to make a hard, fast rule, but right. it, it, I think that there's just a practicality to it. No woman is going to want to be humiliated by your pornography use. Yeah. Right. So therefore, if you're going to get a woman who's not going to want to be humiliated by that, you've got to get that to a place where that can work. Yeah. Now, if you're deeply committed to the fact that you're not going to put your hands on her until you have sexual rights to her, which won't be until you marry her, then they're, these can overlap a little bit because you're going to have some time while you're dating the person to get past all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that person's presence in your life could be a helpful motivation for it. But that's also a very mature, very godly, very gracious woman Yeah, mm-hmm. who's willing to, to deal with that to honestly. That, yeah. So um, yeah, I mean, so part of, part of what plays into my motivation in asking this question is a few years ago, I had a friend who was, I was interested in a young woman and I had a friend who was bold enough to say, dude, you haven't kicked this thing and you shouldn't ask her out until you do. Yeah. And that was like the thing that got was you like the final piece that got you're me like, moving. well, I want a woman. Right. And you're like, well, great. Well, let's do this. Right. Yeah. No, I, I really think that that's, I, I, I don't have a problem with that. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Um, I, I do think that being caught in sexual sin can be profoundly emasculating. It makes you feel like a weak failure. Yeah. And sometimes I think the affirmation of a woman saying, yeah, I'll date you. Let's go out. Mm-hmm. Can kind of give some men like a little bit of a pick me up. The problem is, is that if you're, if you're awash in sexual sin, the likelihood that you're going to get involved in sexual sin with her mm-hmm. is actually pretty high. Yeah. So there are those practical problems that are real that you got to think about. So yeah, no, I, I like your procedure. I just, I think that, I, yeah, I think that I, in, I think in like a hundred percent of cases, what I tell a guy in that is like get in forgiven and free, yep. get in a thing where you're directly facing this and get to where you're struggling with that stuff monthly or less mm-hmm. at least like just aim for that to start with. And then, and then you might be able to think about this, mm-hmm. but addiction to pornography and masturbation is humiliating to the women that you're connected with. And yeah. that's not a good way to love them. So you got to, you got to fight that really hurt. So yeah, to that extent, but I, but I do, I, I don't want to, again, this is one of those deals right. where like, I don't right. want to lay down too right. hard and fast right. a rule either. Yeah. Right. For people who are listening, I think a, a natural question that might come up after hearing this discussion is when do you have that conversation with somebody? With a woman? Yeah. Between, yes. Like if yeah. you are, if you're in that boat, let's say you're already dating or you've started dating somebody and maybe, mm-hmm. maybe it isn't every week, it's every month or it's periodic. When do you start? When do you share that with somebody? When do you talk about those sorts of things in a dating relationship? Yeah. My answer is almost always the same on these kinds of issues, on issues that could be a deal breaker for the other person. Mm-hmm. And my answer is always before they're in love with you. Before they're in love with you. So I think it's okay to wait a little while so that they can see some of the good things about you mm-hmm. and to have some natural affection and say, and so that they can say, I think he's worth it. Right? Like, I, I'm okay with that. But like, I think if you wait till somebody's in love with you, then the likelihood that they'll just be like, well, I, I love him. Mm. You know, I women are capable of making really, really foolish decisions in those situations. And mm-hmm. I just think it, you owe it to people 
if they're gonna make a big decision about a deal breaker that it be before they're in love with you yeah you know I, mm-hmm. I, otherwise i yeah. think that you're using their natural their affection for you affection, against yeah. them yeah 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 so there has been a little bit of a um at least when i was in college there was a little bit of a strain of oh that's an area that you shouldn't talk about until like you're engaged and i just think that should be thrown out nope. yep yeah i think so when I was in college, it was the same thing, which is what my experience was. Mm-hmm. I think some of that comes from like, but if you talk about those sorts of things, then it's just going to be a slippery slope and then you're going to engage in those sorts of things. Like th- those were the conversations that I was having with other friends of mine. And so I think there was a desire to like, in that regard, flee from temptation of sexual immorality. So I think... Yeah, there are sexualizing ways to talk about sexual right. things. Yeah. So I yes. think that you have to... You have to know how to have those conversations in mature ways, which an 18 year old doesn't always know how to have those conversations in mature ways. Right. And again, so this is another call to mentoring. Right. (laughs) There, there are ways to share these kind of things that are not lewd, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Great adjective. Thank you. Um, but so let's, so now that we've covered that kind of preceding point to that number four, ask out at least one woman a month, unless you're already dating one. (laughs) Yeah. Um, being turned down by a woman is one of the most emasculating and horrifying and <laughs> just like just disintegrating feelings a man can possibly experience. Mm-hmm. And because I mean, a woman is basically saying, I don't even really know you that well, but I already know that we're, our genetics are never going to mix. Like that's never going to happen. I'm not going to make a replica of you. It's not worth it. And I don't want to do it. And I already know that. And so that's the hurtful Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's very, that's very difficult. Right. And you know, you you just kind of got to take the, what about Bob approach? Like, you know, this, you know, this line's disconnected, just hang up and try again later. You you just got to be like, (laughs) you got to find a way to not take it too personally and to just like, you just got to get back on the horse. You just got to ask out because like, Oh, some woman is going to say yes, but you got to get out there and you got to, you got to ask boldly. You got to ask confidently. You got to ask directly. You have to look like asking a woman out is, is a art form and it. And I don't mean yeah. like slick lines. I mean, mm. you've got to be masculine and stand erect and act confident and act like a, you have to act like a man mm-hmm. because she's saying yes to a man or no to yeah. a man. And you, you want to like, you want her to know you're a man when you yeah. ask her out. And like some guys don't ask that way. So like we, we have, I think we've done it podcast with nicole on this about yeah, like my, the, mm-hmm. the do's and don'ts of asking mm-hmm. girls yeah. out please use the word date yeah yeah please be clear <laughs> yeah i think please yeah. do not do it in a text right couple guidelines make it as close to face to face as you possibly can there may be exceptions that make it difficult to get face to face but then maybe you should do it via something like facetime mm-hmm. or skype um but yeah make it as close to face to face as you can and right ask the word Ask if she using says the no, it should be devastating right. because you should have directly asked her out on a date. Mm-hmm. And if she says no, it's like, okay, I got rejected. Like it should be clearly mm-hmm. you got rejected. Mm-hmm. If it's not clear that you got rejected, not like she then didn't it's not hang clear out. that you asked. Right. 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 Yeah. So yeah. You shouldn't and, be able to blow it off afterwards if she says no and make yourself feel better. Like, oh, it's okay. Like she, yeah, it's fine. It was just a hangout anyway. Like, mm-hmm. right. don't do that. No, she said no. Yeah. 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 So, and, but that means you've got to like, that, that means you can't like perseverate on this one girl mm-hmm. too. Part of the idea is like, we, what we don't want is like, I'd be like, well, I just, I just like her. I just like her. I just like her. Mm-hmm. And like, she'll come around. No, no, she won't usually. 
So what you need to do is ask out another girl. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because there's lots of suitable people. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Um, uh, a quick caveat: We on that yeah. other episode, we did say this, but just to say it again, I, this is my opinion, but I, I don't think that you should ask out a girl that you aren't actually interested in continuing to yes, get to know. Agree. Yeah. Just for the sake of meeting Asking a quota, a girl, right. <laughs> because you heard it on a podcast, that is stupid. Mm-hmm. That is hurtful. Right. Because the girl's going to think you're interested. Yeah. Right. And that's not nice. Yeah. yeah. One last thing. And I've said this on other podcasts, but I think it's an important point. If you think you're a handsome man and you are one of the great catches of the social groups that you're in, you have more moral responsibility to pick a girl hmm. and marry her because the highest status people, which is the prettiest girls and the highest status men are holding up the process because people are naturally without even realizing it, trying to get the highest status person that they can and so when little Mr. Handsome wants to be a player and ask out all these girls and just take his time, you're actually, there may be dozens of people who aren't entering into the pairing off of relationships in your age cohort mm. because everybody's waiting for how the dominoes are going to fall. Mm. So if you're like little Miss Hot Girl or little Mr. Handsome, pick the person and marry them or get out of the social circle because you're keeping sometimes dozens of people from going through this domino process of people hooking up like mm-hmm. permanent, like in relationships permanently. And it just drives me nuts mm-hmm. when like these nice looking people, like I've had, we've had guys at high point where like 15 girls have a crush on them. And there's like 10 other guys that can't get any attention because mm-hmm. all these girls are swooning over little Mr. Handsome and only one girl is going to get him mm-hmm. and he's screwing around. And like, I've had to go to these guys and be like, listen, you either need to leave or you need to ask out a girl and date her and marry her because what you're doing is is that you're delaying the formation of families for dozens of other people mm-hmm. and it's it's just I, I i realize you don't realize you're doing that and i realize that it's fun to get attention for your vanity from all these girls like i get that but dude you got to pick somebody or you got to get yourself pull yourself out of the situation mm-hmm. and usually when, when i've gone to like christian guys like that and they don't they don't realize they're doing it they have mm-hmm. no they really are oblivious yeah and they go Oh my gosh, I didn't realize I was doing that. I'm like, you're doing that. Mm -hmm. And in most cases, they're like, okay, yeah, I got to get, you're right. I got to pick somebody. So yeah. yeah. And then, and then a lot of dominoes will fall after that. It's great. Mm -hmm. Related to number four, number five, if you keep getting rejected, try to figure out why and do something about it. There's probably something wrong with you. It's not that you're ugly. Women's natural sense of attraction is mostly interested in status, not fertility. If you are getting rejected because it's an issue with you, it's probably a fixable one. That's the good news. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah. So um, one of the things I've used in the past is to have her mentor discreetly ask her for the reason and find it, find it out. Cause you could do that. Like I've had, mm-hmm. so like I've had guys ask out a girl. She says, no, she asked on another girl. She says, no, he asked on another girl. She says, no. And he's like, Nick, I've asked out three girls in a month and a half. They all said no. I was like, okay, do you want me to find out why they said no? And they're like, well, I don't know. I was like, yeah, you probably should want to know. He's mm-hmm. like, okay, okay. Wait. And then what I'll do is I will go either to that woman or to their mentor. Mm-hmm. I'll usually try to have a woman approach them. Um, sometimes Alexi, because since she gives, she does the mentoring appointments and stuff. Mm-hmm. But if a lot of those women have mentors, I go straight to the mentor and be like, could you ask this woman that? And they will. And then they'll tell me and then I'll tell the guy. And I'll be like, okay, this is like, you can't go and like yell at her about it. Mm-hmm. but like this is what she said and um usually a women are okay with giving that reason and usually it's something that's fixable mm-hmm. it's like yeah for, for a lot of girls it's his life doesn't seem to be going anywhere 
Mm-hmm. That I get. That's probably more mm-hmm. than half. And then the the second one usually has to do with their confidence. Mm. They just seem like they don't know who they are as a man, mm-hmm. yeah. and they don't have a lot of confidence, and they're just not interested in that. They'd rather because here's the thing: there are a lot of women who would rather be alone than with a man who doesn't know who he is. Mm. And if a, a guy is demonstrating, and usually that has to do with a sense of insecurity or inferiority. And so for most single people who are getting rejected, they want to be with somebody, they, they're getting rejected. Um, this is especially true for men, right? I think it's true for women too, but right now we're talking about men, okay? It's, it's usually related to insecurity. Yeah. In some way, insecurity is coming out in your life that is making you unattractive to people. It's, it's not your body. Usually it's not. There's like, there's plenty of people. This is going to sound a little mean, but I think it's important to say, I've seen plenty of pretty unattractive young Christian women get married to great guys. And like, if you would align, did a woman lineup from 30 feet and you don't know these women, you would not have picked these women out to score men. And then you'd have a bunch of other pretty girls and they're all single still. It's not just looks. Mm-hmm. These men are actually picking women. Yeah, they want pretty women. The men naturally do. But they, but when you look at the women these men actually pick, it's not in order of attractiveness. Mm-hmm. I think you can do the same experiment the other way. And it's true. You, you, s- you can't. Yes, you can. But part of this is, is that throughout all of history, women have naturally not picked the most attractive men. They've picked the men of the high status. Mm-hmm. And so if you look at the men that are picked, they sure. wouldn't go by looks. That's not normally true with women. If you, if you stack up women, it's much more according to like traditional looks. But when, and, and Christian men sometimes stereotypically do behave that way. And that's mm-hmm. because that's pretty natural. But, but at the same time, I've seen a lot of Christian women who like would not be in the upper echelon of like prettiest available women mm-hmm. and men are going for them. And the, the question you got to ask yourself is why the heck did that guy go for her? And the answer is, he saw something in her that he liked mm-hmm. that he liked more than a little bit prettier. Mm-hmm. And he was, he, and going for that was worth it. And you figure that out. You can figure out a lot of things. And usually what it is, is that they're not crippled by insecurity mm-hmm. and doubt and sense of inferiority. They know what they want. They're comfortable with being a woman. They're pursuing God mm-hmm. profoundly and with discipline. Yeah. Like it's something really valuable like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those guys have recognized that, Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman yeah. fierce Lord is to be praised and yeah. mm-hmm. far more than rubies. Right? right. And like, that's true. Yeah. And it's not just a religious point. Like it's true from God. God values that, mm-hmm. but also just in the familial marriage home relationship, yeah. those character qualities will make you so much happier in yeah. the long run yeah. than the fading prettiness of the woman that you married. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, yeah I, have, I have a good buddy who, um, was at one point he was dating a woman who was like a like top couple percentage attractive, mm-hmm. and he ended up marrying a woman who was not that high up on right on that lineup. But the reason that he said that he married her is he was like she was free enough and confident enough to be funny, and that was the reason. Like obviously attending attending all like alongside that were all the things of she was pursuing God. She, she loved, she wanted to have a family. She loved the local church, but the thing that kind of put it all together for him was she was so uncrippled by insecurity that she was free enough to be funny. Right. And that was, that was worth any, any exchange in looks for him. Yeah. Yeah. And the more mature guy is the more that he'll realize that. Yeah. Right. That like you spend a very small percentage of your time having sex with your wife. 
very small percentage of the total time you're alive with her. Mm -hmm. And so, and sexual happiness correlates not at all, basically, with attractiveness for men. It correlates entirely with will she have sex with you and will she act like she's enjoying it. That's it. It has virtually nothing to do with her looks. And so once you begin to realize that, you're like, oh, crap. Their looks really do mean virtually nothing, Mm -hmm. right? And so, okay, well, great. Well, But most men just aren't mature enough to recognize that. Mm -hmm. We're naturally viscerally drawn to certain things that mark out fertility for us. We think of that as attractiveness and hotness. Plus, that relates to our status. Men like... Men pursue women because of a higher status, but also the woman they get indicates their status. And so part of it is just their own vanity and their own insecurity that makes them want to get the prettiest girl they possibly can because then yeah. other people will think that they're higher status and respect them for it, which is, of course, stupid. <laughs> so getting free of that is great. But like, I think what men need to recognize is that insecurity, inferiority, and other issues tend to make people undateable. Mm-hmm. And women will reject you for that. And like we said at the beginning of this part, those things are fixable. Yeah. So find out what it is because right. it, it's probably not you're just dumb right. or you're just ugly. It's right. not that. It's the truth is that your you can, ally here. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. And then you can get a mentor. You can do what it takes. And mm-hmm. I've we've seen this at High Point. We've seen numerous people who were mm-hmm. clinically undateable. Yeah. And were a hundred percent discouraged that they'd ever find somebody. Say, tell me what I need to hear, mm-hmm. ruthlessly. And we told them what they needed to hear, and it was devastating for them and over the course of usually a couple of years Mm -hmm. they like dealt with it and then all of a sudden one day some guy says hey would you go out with me or some girl's like yes i'll go out with you Mm -hmm. and they're like what what happened Mm -hmm. and the answer is you had changed enough they 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 dealt with it enough that they had crossed over to that line where their sense of self was now radiating out with beauty rather than their crippled sense of inferiority was holding back their true self mm-hmm. in darkness. And when that happens, all of a sudden something happens and yeah. you become dateable. Yeah. And I know that some people hate that truth, but I think that it's a fact and the truth is your friend here. Right. Couple more. Number six, do not have sex with a woman you are not married to. Intimacy in dating is talking. Anyone who adores you and desires you is plenty fun to make love to. You don't have to try anybody out to know if, if they'll if you'll have a good sex life. If you have mental, spiritual, and moral chemistry, things are going to be fine in bed. Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, I think that. Right, I think that pretty accurately sums it up. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of subpoints here. One, the minute you start having sex that becomes too big a deal and it undermines the process of growing intimacy. So I remember reading like it was, I think the study was from university of Michigan, but it talked about people starting to have sex early in a relationship and people living with each other. Mm-hmm. And they said that the rate by which you really got to know each other plummeted. Yeah. Because once you start having sex, turns out sex is really fun and it's enjoyable and both people want to do it. And if you're younger, you both have pretty avid sex drives. And so you're basically, especially for guys, because they like sexually in terms of their hormones and have sex can reload like in an hour. And so they're always just trying to get to sex Mm -hmm. and you just don't have really deep, meaningful, like displaying conversations when you have another way to feel intimate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so you just drive right into that thing where it feels very intimate and it feels like you know each other and you're, you're really, you're strangers Mm -hmm. and you can, you can feel intimately connected to a stranger for months and sometimes even years and you like, you, you break up and you don't even really know the person. Yeah. And so, by taking the sexual tension that arises in a relationship where you like somebody and have a 
a male female affection for them as well as a personal affection you can use that you, you can you're going to do something with that sexual tension it's going to be there you can either use it for it to drive your energy in conversation mm-hmm. where you talk and 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 get to know each other better and better and better better yeah or to put your hands on each other and get the release that comes through sex and the intimacy and dating is talking for christians mm-hmm. You have no sexual rights to the other person. Use that sexual energy to talk and get to know them and get to know them more and more and more and more in a place public enough and in contexts <laughs> that are supportive of you being pursuing purity yeah. of, of heart and mind and action with that person. And then the other thing is um, not having sex with a woman you're dating is a gift to her for the future. Yeah. In the future, especially if you're able to have children, there will be times when she will be worried about your faithfulness and may be jealous of others. If you have already proved to her that you can keep your hands off of the woman you adore unless you're married to her, that is herself, mm-hmm. she can believe that you can keep your hands off of other women if you have, if you are having some kind of trouble in your relationship, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you're 34 or whatever, and you've got two little kids or 41, it doesn't matter the age, and you're off working longer hours or going on trips or there's some other young woman at work that you're working closely with, and she's like, the natural feeling for her is going to be insecurity and jealousy mm-hmm. and it can, could rack her life. It could really, really be on her mind a lot and hurt her so much. But if she knows that when you were a hundred percent infatuated, you were the love of, she was the love of your life and you had all of your heart set on her, you kept your hands off of her. Mm-hmm. Then what she can believe is that even if you did fall in love with that woman at work, right, which could not, which could happen. It's a natural human thing. You can keep your hands off of women you fall, feel like you're in love with, mm-hmm. and you will because you you did it with her. And so the gift that you give your wife by keeping your hands off of her before you're married right. is this gift that keeps on giving for decades. Yeah. And having sex with her before you're married to her gives you no gifts. Mm-hmm. You get nothing for it yeah. except for the immediate pleasure, which will then bring guilt and frustration and make her not feel treasured in the dating relationship and all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So- and there's pretty good research on the fact that women having sex outside of a what they feel like is a permanent safe bond makes women tend to feel guilty. It They tend to dislike the arrangement. They tend to feel used and they tend to hate the system that they're caught in. That's what they tend to report. Even like high testosterone athlete women who are like super independent, they still say, I hate this system. Because what women tend to want in their sexual relationships is a high level of fidelity and the feeling that they're safe. Mm-hmm. And what that amounts to in terms of fertility at like the bottom level is I will not be abandoned if I create a child. Mm-hmm. At the very, very bottom of a woman's heart is this idea that what if I became infinitely more vulnerable? What would happen to me? Mm-hmm. Would you be here or not? Yeah. That's the question. And so there's no way around that. Yeah. And if a woman says, I don't feel that way, I think that she's either lying because she feels like she has to or there's something she's not in touch with in herself because a woman can't not feel like she could be made vulnerable and fear it. Mm -hmm. I don't think. I think it's too primal to get rid of. Yeah. Yeah. Final one in this list. Lead other men to Christ so that every Christian woman can marry a believing man if she wants to. And of course, biblically speaking, every Christian woman should want to marry a believing man if she wants to marry at all. Mm-hmm. So she can choose to not marry. She can choose to marry a Christian man. She just can't choose to marry a non-Christian man, mm-hmm. according to scripture, if she's obeying Jesus. Yeah, I mean, this is a problem with with women and men. Women are used to having like responsive and in some ways dependent relationships. 
or they're responding to a leading figure mm-hmm. and so on. And for some reason, at least in the way we've been doing religion in America for a while, women tend to be responding to it in higher numbers. Mm-hmm. And you can be a, you, you can celebrate this sort of like the statistics of polygamy in that you could be like, that's great. You know, I got, I mean, I got lots of women to choose from yeah. and be completely unloving to the fact that most of those women want to marry somebody mm-hmm. and there's not enough men. Right. And so we, you shouldn't be pressuring women to go out and find guys that they can tantalize into the church. Right. Right. Through like missionary dating and stuff like that. You should be going out and getting other men and calling them up into the responsibility that God has given them to take dominion and worship Jesus and follow him and all that so that there are as many men as women so that those women have men to choose from. Mm-hmm. And yes, it's not in your direct self-interest in the most godly, vis- godless, visceral, fleshly sense. Mm-hmm. It creates more competition for you. Absolutely. This gets us back to the hero thing. Like, are you yeah. willing to not act in what seems like your own self-interest because it's good yeah. for these other people that aren't you that in, like part of what makes a hero is he saves people he doesn't get anything from, mm-hmm. right? Part of this is that's so it, in that sense it is heroic to lead men to Christ mm-hmm. because you are you're providing a husband for a girl that might have rejected you. I mean, think about this: you could ask out a girl, she could tell you no. <laughs> you could go lead one of your friends to Christ, and she <laughs> he could ask her out, and she could say yes, and they could get married and live happily ever after. Well, relatively speaking, right? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> and that's a, that's great. Mm-hmm. That's just godliness. That's good, right? And yet, that's also like a recipe for resentment. Mm-hmm. If you're a lesser, if you're not a hero, if mm-hmm. you're a lesser man. Yeah. And so I think that part of manliness in the church as it is now for younger men is get out and get after other young men mm. and lead them to Christ. And part of what you have to do to do that is be masculine. Yeah. Men follow other men who are masculine. Mm-hmm. If you're a wussy man who's not masculine and, or, or who is the bad kind of masculine, other men aren't going to be drawn to you and they're not going to be drawn to what you believe in. Yeah. And so part of this is, and if we were going to reach more men, we have to become more good masculine in our Christian, Christianity, in our faith yeah. and our discipleship. If that yeah. happens, we will be succeed in reaching more men. If we reach more men, women will not have to deal with this shortage of men. And we they deserve that. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think that there are some things that we can do to help that. I, I also think women, Christian women are as sexually active as Christian men in the church. And if women really wanted this to be less of a problem, they could be more chaste mm-hmm. and demand that men treat them a certain way and only date Christian men. And so that's another thing, yeah. but that's a different podcast and a different question and right. a different discussion, right. the whys and all that. I think what's important here is that men could, men could add to the, to the problem being helped. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's all eight. Do you want the last word, Nicole? No, I don't want the last word. Okay. Except for in that I always do, but I don't have anything to add actually. Okay. Great. Well, we hope this is helpful to you guys as you're pursuing masculinity patterned after Jesus. And, and just remember, this is not a blueprint for masculinity. Right. This right, is right, right. our specific pieces of advice relative to certain holes I see among younger men a good bit. Mm-hmm. And so if you were like, what are the what are the eight most important things about being a Christian man? These are not it. Right. It's important for me to, to clarify that. And and remember, whatever you are failing at, right, you need to remember that the gospel is for you. Jesus died for every failure of our masculinity. Mm. 
every way we've fallen short, including in being a man, he died for. And in every way that we're spent to be a man, he is giving us his spirit to rehabilitate us and help us to be increasingly free in what's called sanctification, freedom from sin. Mm -hmm. And he is with you in it and you have the authority to walk mm-hmm. into it. His his facial expression towards you is not mild disgust. Mm-hmm. It is Amen. love and devotion and inviting you back. And like that father running down, in the prodigal son story, running to his son who's coming home, and he wants to empower you and raise you up into a greater and stronger manhood. He is pleased in you in Christ and is going to make you like his son if you walk with him in the good thing he's already done and is finishing in you. So mm-hmm. just... However you feel about what you heard, God has a future for you and a plan for you and a way and a church to help you. And if you will repent and believe yeah. and try to figure out how to step into it, you can keep in step with the Spirit and He can take you somewhere good. Amen. Amen. Great. See you guys next time. See ya. listening to this episode of the engage and equip podcast if you have a podcast idea or a question you'd like answered on the podcast send us an email at podcast at highpointchurch.org if you'd like to find more episodes you can go online to highpointchurch.org slash podcast you can also find us on apple podcasts google podcasts overcast and other apps like that we hope this episode was helpful to you as you grow in becoming a more substantive disciple and a part of the local church If this episode was helpful to you, rate or review us on Apple Podcasts or share this episode with a friend. Those are some of the best ways we have to reach new listeners. Until next time, thanks for listening to this episode of Engage and Equip.